0: or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. The Volume.
2: No! Oh my God, how could he do are you on Donate to- what?
1: Charles Darwin.
2: The nerds is where it's at.
3: Welcome, everybody, back into Nerd Session. As always, I'm Carson Forever and alongside me is Logan Camden. And today, our Christmas present to you all is an updated ranking of our top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL. We did this before the year, but I think both of our lists will probably look a good bit different right now. And we're only going to be ranking guys who are available for the rest of this season. So the guys who are done for the year will not be on this list. But I do think it's worth shouting out, Logan. Where would you have some of those elite players who are done for the year? Herbert, Burrow, Aaron Rodgers, Kirk Cousins
2: even. Where would you have those guys? Yeah, I'd have all those guys uh, close to my list. Burrow and Herbert are comfortably here. Burrow would be fourth for me. Herbert would probably be right behind him at fifth. Rodgers would be in that 9 to 10 range. And the only reason I say that, because I did have Rodgers higher than that coming into this year, I believe at 6 or 7 if I'm not mistaken. I am slightly concerned about the Achilles injury at just his age. Obviously, I think that has to be a concern. So he's going to get bumped down a few other notches with some stellar performances we've seen from QBs this season. And then Kirk Chains, I used to call him the equator. He wouldn't crack my top 10. He would probably fall between 11 to 16, somewhere between there.
3: Yeah, Kirk's not in my top 10 either, but he is definitely in that immediate next group. So I would flip Herbert and Burrow. I think I've been sold by the athletic advantages that Herbert has. I think seeing how their teams look respectively in their absence is pretty jarring. Brody said Jake Browning is him. I did not say that. I did not say that. But I do think that what Burrow does... With the elite receiver talent that they have and better offensive play calling, is a bit more replaceable. Obviously, we are picking at some very fine margins here, but Herbert is an excellent decision maker. He's an excellent game manager when he needs to be. He brings more size, uh, more raw arm talent, more of that play extension ability, although Burrow's very good moving around inside and outside the pocket as well. It's a very slim margin, but I think that I would take Herbert at this point. Situation factors so much into perception of all of these guys and a few dudes have gotten a shorter end of the stick than justin herbert there as we saw when Easton's stick went into the game and they got 42 pieced by the raiders and then i would have Rodgers at eight similar to you my perception of him hasn't changed that much from coming into this year but i do think another year another serious injury it's not ideal and there are a couple guys who have played at a high enough level mm-hmm. this year to where they have deservedly leapfrogged him so those are the guys who aren't available for this list before we get into our official top 10 who were some of your toughest cuts who you really considered and didn't just quite make it
2: i promise this is not a joke guys with the way he's played this year one of my closest cuts was baker mayfield Uh, you son of a guy with the way he's played this year you mean the way he played last week yeah buddy don't worry about it he's top uh Top half of the – well, with the injuries – Top 24. With with the injuries that we've, uh, that we've sustained this season, I can put him top half of the league. I can say Baker Mayfield's now the equator. Ha-ha, suckers. Take that. Russell Wilson, uh, I wanted to get here. Uh, and, again, hmm. I wrote Russell Wilson completely off last year. I thought he was completely washed. Uh, 2022 Russell Wilson is one of the worst quarterbacks game tapes I've ever witnessed. This year's Russell Wilson, he doesn't have that same kind of big play – ability that MVP Russ did have in Seattle but I think the mm-hmm. what I've consistently harped on this year is that baseline the ball control yeah. the good decision making Russ gives you just a, a solid baseline for a, a quarterback that can manage you to victories Jared Goff wanted to crack my list I really like him He's just had a few too many Jared goof games for him yeah, to crack this literally. list and we'll get to this in a little bit because I'm really intrigued to see where this guy is going to fall on your list or if he does fall on your list. The clo- the toughest omission for me was to attack of Vailoa. And like I said, mm. uh, if you uh, have a gripe with that, we'll get to that in a little bit because I want to know uh, if he did crack your list or not.
3: No spoilers, we'll see. But there were 13 guys who I really seriously considered. 13 guys who I could have seen in my top 10. And the three who just missed it, for me, are Geno Smith, who I had in my top 10 coming into this year, and I think has mostly proven that that was a legit season last year, but there's just been a bit of regression. Like, I would compare him somewhat to a guy who we're definitely going to talk about in our top 10, especially with how he played last night and has been playing for five weeks. Matt Stafford, in terms of you have these guys who have awesome arm talent, and they are audacious passers, And they take big chances and they often pay off. Geno's just like that if you dialed back the arm talent so that it's not like all-time great and it's just really good. And then if you dialed up the recklessness and the mistakes just a bit, that's enough to take him off of this list for me. I do think he's a good quarterback, but the mistakes this year have been painful at times. And he hasn't been as effective as a rusher. He was legitimately good there last year. Gave you like close to 400 yards and I think a handful of touchdowns on the ground. And he hasn't produced like that this year. Another guy who I really considered, who I'll be interested to see if you have him on here, Logan, Kyler Murray. I think that he absolutely has that sort of ability and we have seen him stamped in previous seasons as a top 10 quarterback. And he's in a bad situation right now. Like Trey McBride is really good, but you don't want him to be your number one target. Everyone else in that receiving core is very unimpressive. And we've seen how bad their offense is without him. In the games that he's missed since the start of last year, they drop under 17 points per game. With him, they're up at 22 points per game. So there's definitely a sizable impact that he has on this team. And I do think that the stress he puts on defenses with the dual threat as one of the best rushing quarterbacks we've ever seen with the raw arm talent he has. I mean, he's not some buffoon making decisions with the ball. Like, I expect Kyler to be back on this list actually sooner rather than later. I just don't think we've seen him play at that level since returning this year or even last year. I mean, he's been really inefficient as a passer. So he can earn that spot back, but there are just guys who have been playing better in this recent sample size. And then you mentioned Jared Goff, man. I really thought about him because he just played one of those vintage good Goff games against the Broncos. He looked comfortable. He looked confident. His arm talent is legitimately really high end. He throws those balls on a rope. To me, it's just... The lack of mobility and the inability to create out of structure, that's a limiter. I think he is privileged to play behind Detroit's line where that isn't super consistently exposed. And then it's what you said. He has too many of those just like, what the fuck, Jared, games? Where you're like, what happened? There's three of them within the last handful of games. And he had avoided those for over a year, but he still has those tendencies. They come out just a bit more than a couple of the guys who I narrowly chose above him but he has been really damn good for a team that has certainly good offensive personnel but not necessarily insane weapons in the receiving game and i did consider him but he is my first guy off ultimately so logan who was your last guy on in that 10 spot
2: the last guy on is a guy that you just mentioned i have kyler murray here in my 10 spot and i said when he returned against Mm. the houston texans that i did think that kyler was a top 10 qb we had a discussion about if we thought he had become underrated in his absence, and I do think that's true. Now, I want to be clear about something. You're right. Off of the injury and off of the game tape that we have seen from Kyler Murray, uh, we here at NerdSesh, Carson and I pride ourselves on uh, bringing you statistical-based analysis, you know, stuff grounded in the game tape, uh, with facts to back it up. This is not one of those arguments. I don't have a statistical breakdown or mm-hmm. a, you know, a game for you to look at outside of the Houston game to go, that's why Kyler Murray should be here. This isn't uh, a stats argument. This is a faith argument. And a couple of years ago, you're exactly right. I bought in. I said that Kyler was a top five QB during an undefeated run. I compared him to many Mahomes. And that is where my faith really does lie uh, with Kyler. I think he's a special, special arm talent, uh, accurate when he's on. And again, these last couple games, I think it's a bad situation. I think it's going to take some time for him to get back into a full game rhythm. Uh, but what really makes Kyler Murray special is the legs, dude. It's the all-time agility and mobility. I know that, you know, you see all these memes that are clowning on Kyler because of how small he is. It's how it's been since he's entered the league. But those small legs make him so tough to bring down and so quick. Like, I think people take that for granted, how quickly Kyler can get up to top speed. Uh, like three steps and he is at full burst where he's getting to the sideline outside of Lamar you know I don't know if there's a more agile quarterback in football like he's so dynamic as a play extender as a rusher and again we haven't seen this since he's returned but when when he was fully healthy when that team was better We did see that Kyler Murray, and when I look at the physical advantages that he has over a guy like Tua Tagovailoa, when I think there are serious limitations as a play extender and as a play creator out of structure, and his limited arm strength, that's the difference maker to me. I prefer Kyler's physical tools, I prefer his ability, and again, if we were just going off of this season, duh, Tua Tagovailoa is in my top 10, but it's just not that simple, and... I would rather have Kyler Murray moving forward. I would rather have Kyler Murray in a one-game scenario, and I'd rather have Kyler Murray if I didn't have any framework of a team. You get what I'm saying? Again, I think Tua can succeed in a situation. I think Kyler can truly elevate the talent around him and take them to another level with his abilities. So, again, this is not based in this year. This is a faith in Kyler Benton Uh I'm back to believing in Kyler, man. I I would take him. I I don't know if he's a bona fide franchise QB. I don't even know if he's a Cardinal next season. Again, that still remains to be seen, but I think he's still a top 10 QB.
3: Totally fair. I can totally see the upside and the potential with Kyler. As I said, we have seen it before, but I do have Tua in my 10 spot, and there is something to the consistent brilliance that we see from him inside the pocket within structure. His accuracy there, his timing. I think it's just too good to exclude him at this point. And I think that broadly, people would probably call me a to a detractor, a to a skeptic, whatever. I haven't been ready to crown him as the MVP or anything like that. And I absolutely do think that there are limitations that keep him from being in that truly elite tier, but I mean, when you can get the ball out within 2 seconds a comfortable majority of the time and you're going to put it right on the money in perfect timing with your receiver consistently, That's a pretty damn good formula. His production is obviously excellent. He leads the league in yards. He's second in yards per attempt. Of course, you have to factor in situation there that he has incredible weapons. One of the best receiving duos we have ever seen with a brilliant scheme, an incredible creative play caller who uses motion as well as anybody in football. He has a lot of advantages working in his favor, but he does execute really well within structure. And we saw this past week Without Tyreek, he played a really nice game against the Jets. He still has Jalen Waddle, who is as good a number two as there is in the NFL. But you can't make the argument that without Tyreek singularly, the guy just collapses because we saw last week that that's not the case. Of course, he benefits from Tyreek, but he played a good game without him. The reason that I can't have a higher, despite whatever his production might indicate, is that out of structure, he has the same limitations as Jared Goff. And that's an advantage that Kyler absolutely has over both these guys. That's an advantage that even Gino comparatively has over these guys. I'm a big fan of creation over just execution. And I do think oftentimes we look at these guys in privileged situations and we give them big time props for making the right decisions, right? For throwing to open guys, for not being buffoons. But there are dudes with better athletic traits who, if you plop them in that situation, could probably do the same thing. I think that applies to a couple guys in these conversations And when Tua is under pressure, he lacks the high-end mobility, he lacks the high-end arm talent for sure, and he can just panic in those situations. And that's where you see the turnovers come in. I've talked about this before, but when I compare him to the guys who are right outside this top 10 for me, Jared Goff is a statue in the pocket. Like, Tua is more mobile than him, and yes, Goff has a better arm which maybe gives him more upside in an individual game, but is he truly a better pocket passer when you factor in Tua's advantages in anticipation and timing and that although he may have those boneheaded moments, he doesn't really have those entire games like golf where you're literally just like, what happened? Like, where is the quarterback who we know and love? I would give Tua the edge as a pocket passer and he does avoid getting pressured more than just about anyone. And that's not because of exceptional line play. Now, you could argue that a big component in that is that his first read is very consistently open because it's probably Tyree Killer, it's Jalen Waddle. Like they do a great job of making sure that first read is an excellent option. But because he does get the ball out so quickly, he isn't under duress as much as these other guys. So it doesn't necessarily matter as much in any individual game. But in a playoff setting, yes. I want a dude who can stand up against the best defenses who are going to pressure him, who can create, who can do stuff out of structure, who can make those big time throws. That's where Tua just falls short enough of the competition to me where he still belongs in this 10 spot.
2: And I think his surrounding talent is pretty good too. Outside of the guys that you mentioned, the offensive line uh, has been phenomenal this season. Uh, The running game has been great. Like those are just great to have around mm-hmm. him. And I don't want to completely dog on Tua because you're right. He has an immaculate statistical case. He's leading the league in passing yards right now. He's second in passing yards per attempt at 8.6. And he currently leads the NFL in completion percentage, too. Tua is deadly accurate. 71%. Carson, only two quarterbacks in NFL history have ever had a higher completion percentage in a single season than Tua Tagovailoa. You want to take a stab at who they might be?
3: Drew Brees Bang.
2: And you're never you're never gonna get the second guy number one overall pick. Really? I'll, I'll give you that number one overall pick. overall pick. It's not Alex Smith. Not Alex Smith. No, this guy was talented, just couldn't stay healthy. Oh, Bradford! It's Sam Bradford, man. Yeah. Only two guys wow. to have a higher single season completion percentage than him. It's the sixth highest in a single season ever. He's also uh, tied for eighth in total touchdowns. One area that I don't think you hit on, though, and this is something that you've been critical of Tua in the past, and I think we just have to notice is when we talk about these elite game managers, because I don't want to say that Tua can't win a Super Bowl. I think in this situation, well, first of all, if Trent Dilfer can win a Super Bowl with a great defense, damn it, anybody can win a Super Bowl, right? So I think that Tua could win a Super Bowl in this situation. I, I don't deny that. I think that a lot of different QBs in good situations could. Football is so much more than just the QB position. It's the most important position, but it's a lot deeper than that. The one area where I think he falters more than other really elite game managers is the fact that Tua can put the ball in harm's way. He's tied Mm 7th in total turnovers this season, 16. Not horrible, but it's still one of the highest marks in the league, and I just think with his limited arm strength, uh, with his limited mobility, he can get himself in a little more trouble than other QBs, too. Again, I don't want to completely dog Tua. Tua is one spot away from being on my list. He is an above-average quarterback. He is a good quarterback. Mm-hmm. Do you still think Tua is a bit of a limiter? Because I, I still do, and that's why I can't, I can't put Tua uh, any higher.
3: Yeah, and look at the end of the day. If we were looking at a fully healthy NFL, mm-hmm. Tua would probably still be 14 on my list. Like, I had three other dudes in my top 10, and I think that I would take Kirk Cousins with the level that he yeah. was playing at over Tua. So, it's not that I've become a big-time Tua mm-hmm. enthusiast, but when it comes to the mistakes factor, we're comparing him to flawed options here. Like, Jared Goff True. also has that Bozo gene, also makes mistakes. <laughs> like, they are guys who most of the time are very good in that role, but they mm-hmm. struggle, when things go off schedule, and then they can make those mistakes that bite you. So to me, I think he's better in that role than Goff. I don't know if you agree. The Kyler comparison is trickier because they're such entirely different play styles. And Kyler playing his best, I do value more than Tua. Kyler just hasn't really been all that close to his best recently. And the last thing I'll say about Tua real quick is I'm actually not sure that he can win a Super Bowl in this context just because I think that Dolphins defense is flawed enough to where you probably will need the guy at the quarterback position to do some pretty exceptional stuff. Like, I think he can definitely lead out a really good offense in the playoffs. We've seen him lead out a great offense in the regular season, but even with his playoff limitations, I still think they can produce at a high level but can they produce at a great enough level to where you're compensating for a really mediocre defense playing against the best teams in the league? Not confident about that. I'm not super high on the Dolphins overall when it comes to playoffs, although their defense did just have an awesome performance against the Jets, but over the totality of the season, and it is, of course, the New York football Jets. Okay, who do you have at nine, Logan?
2: Well, it's a quarterback that I am talented in captaining a great team to a Super Bowl and a guy that I think is better in that game manager role straight up than Tua with more play creation. That man is Brock Purdy. And I know that's been a hot button debate. I, I think mm-hmm. when it comes down to it, it's it's just that, that I trust Brock to protect the football more. And I like his play extension. Like again, both of these guys yeah. are in two of the most privileged situations in football. We talked about that all year long, along with Jalen hurts. These are probably the most three pampered quarterbacks in terms of yep. great talent around them. I'd also include, uh, I don't want to just excuse Jerry Goff. Jerry Goff is also in a great situation. Like, I think for sure, those four guys are probably in the most privileged situations of any quarterbacks in the NFL. And so, this is not a Brock Purdy's an MVP take. No, that's not what this is. He's got great skill talent around him. But when we've seen it, when they've needed him to make big throws to make big plays, Purdy has. I think something that's glaring is that uh, average yards per attempt stat that you mentioned on throws behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. know if that still rings true, but you did mention a couple of weeks ago, Brock Purdy would average the most yards per attempt in the NFL on passes just behind the line of scrimmage. That speaks volumes about the skill position talent that he has. He's got a great offensive line. He's got a great defense. But he's been great at executing. He's number two in passing yards this season. He is number one in passing yards per attempt. Again, you can attribute a lot of that to the skill position talent. But he does time to time push the ball downfield. He's number two in completion percentage. He's been deadly accurate. He's third in total touchdowns. And I talk about him limiting turnovers. He's tied 21st in total turnovers with just nine this season. That, to me, is the biggest thing about these game managers is you can have Jared Goof games. You can have bad Tua games. With Brock Purdy, when the skill position talent is out there, when the beefy buffet boys are up on the line and healthy, Brock Purdy has been consistently great, and he's been consistently great at also not turning the ball over. I love Brock Purdy. I would take him as my quarterback in a heartbeat. I think he is as top-notch of a game manager that you can get in the NFL.
3: I would even make a distinction between him and your quote-unquote game managers because he does take chances. Mm -hmm. He is a certified big balls quarterback, and he does (laughs) extend plays, and he makes throws on the run. Like, I think he's got enough of that wild man, riverboat gambler Mm -hmm. gene in him to where I wouldn't necessarily call him a game manager. He does that stuff as any quarterback does, but then there's certainly some magic sprinkled on top of that. I have Purdy at nine as well, and I really like him. I do think it's important to remember when we have these Purdy conversations, talk about where he ranks among the best quarterbacks in the league now, and talk about if he belongs to that MVP conversation that the Niners averaged 30 points per game and very nearly won a Super Bowl with Jimmy G, who sucks, who we can all agree sucks. He wasn't good then. He was one of the worst starting quarterbacks in the NFL through six games this year. And in his two full seasons with the Niners, <laughs> he ranked third and second in yards per attempt and let out these elite offenses. Now, Brock is clearly better. He is at the same time, both less boneheaded and and more creative, and he's the better athlete creating out of structure, and I think he's more accurate as a thrower. It's not a take that Brock Purdy is Jimmy G. It's just Jimmy G is like the 20-something best quarterback in the NFL who people were talking about as a top 10 kind of guy Mm -hmm. who was leading an elite offense in a contender, who had really good statistical production, who people were saying was just a winner and there was something you couldn't quantify, and it turns out that was playing with the San Francisco 49ers. So I do think we have to remember all of that. Mm -hmm. We can't just neglect those factors when looking at how great this situation is. But Purdy's level is still, in terms of production, clearly superior to what we did see from Jimmy G. Like, Jimmy G may have been really good, but Purdy is on pace for the fifth best season ever in terms of passer rating and is averaging the most yards per pass attempt ever with a minimum of 300 attempts in a season. Like, that is ridiculous it is interesting to see that this year it feels like people are now more than ever approaching all this quarterback discourse with uh sort of numbers never lie mentality and mm-hmm. we see it mostly with tua and we see it with purdy or people are doing the exact opposite yeah. but that's just not true to me we can't act like ryan tannehill didn't lead the league in every efficiency stat in 2019 Like, I think he had a pass rating of 117 yards per attempt. He led ridiculous, ridiculous production. And then throw 33 touchdowns to seven interceptions in 2020. And then fell off that hit, that uh, cliff real quickly. Once that line was less dominant, once Derrick Henry was less dominant, situation is super important. And right behind him in that same time frame was Drew Brees at the top of all the efficiency stats, who at that point could no longer throw 10 yards downfield. And of course, he was really smart and really accurate, but he had great weapons. He had a great system. And when it came to those playoff settings, the fact that he couldn't push the ball downfield whatsoever really mattered. And he really struggled. So context matters with all of these numbers, matters a lot. And Brock is in offensive heaven. We talked about last week how there has never been a group in NFL history that goes four deep like this with studs. You can debate if it's the greatest weapons group ever, but when you were talking about four dudes of this caliber, McCaffrey, Ayuk, Debo, Kittle, I don't think anybody touches that. But Brock is legitimately good. He does often have more margin on these throws and he gets more help after the catch, but the timing is really good. The accuracy is really good. I do like his gunslinger instincts. I think about uh, that game. I can't remember who they were playing, but he made that ridiculous throw across his body to George Kittle. Risky, sure, but he'll take those chances even without great arm talent and that's bit them a couple times but mostly I think it raises the ceiling for this offense and when I compare him to two in golf to me it is the play extension it is the ability to evade pressure the ability to throw on the run and he has made fewer mistakes while blending all that together so I do think that he's just better sometimes I do watch a Brock Purdy play and worry a bit and think like if you didn't have this scheme and these weapons Sometimes he does bail on pockets a bit too quickly, and he doesn't have that high-end arm talent, so I'm like, could that get ugly, right, if he was just getting swarmed and overwhelmed and trying to do some of this same high-risk stuff? Maybe, but right now, I mean, he's blending exactly what we said, the game manager stuff with that additional playmaking really nicely. I think there's a middle ground on this, as we have discussed To where we can acknowledge this is a historically great situation. We can remember the Jimmy G conversations. But we also don't just have to treat Brock Purdy like he's a total system product. Like he's just Mr. Irrelevant who stumbled into a dream situation. Because he is legitimately good. And what he's doing is legitimately impressive. I think this is as high as I can go with him. But I do think that this is right. And I think that this is where he belongs. In this 9 spot.
2: Yeah, this is about as high as I can go with Purdy too. And I just want to give you some props too. I mean, you were early to the Jimmy G train, man. Uh, you were saying in the off because he season, sucked yeah uh you were talking about <laughs> <laughs> yeah Raiders good good uh good job guys nice signing uh you were early yeah. to that train and I think you're right too I, we shouldn't pigeonhole them again I do want to mention I, I am intrigued to see if 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 they go down I don't think the biggest X factor for the 49ers is it, it's probably McCaffrey's probably one I don't think the second biggest X-Factor for them is Debo, Ayuk, or Kittle, though. I think the second biggest guy is uh, Big Trent Williams on that left side. To me, that'll be the real metal, is if we get a playoff game with the Niners where one of those guys is missing again, because, again, that was what happened when their skid hit, is they go down Big Trent, they go down a couple skill position guys, and we really have to see Purdy put to the fire. That's the one guy I don't want to see them lose. I think they can withstand being without one of the skill position guys, I don't think they can be without Trent Williams. I think he's imperative to a Super Bowl run. And uh, still, though, Purdy's not just made by this system. We do need to give him some respect. But everybody else above Purdy, definitively, yeah. I think, if you put in that system, if you give him the scheme, these guys, I mean, they are just yeah. they are taking this offense to a completely other level, you know?
3: Yeah, and I will say people need to calm down saying that Brock Purdy is Drew Brees with more athleticism. What? I have seen that multiple times. I've seen it from within the volume network. I saw somebody else say it outside. Let's just simmer down like Drew did Brees was a football genius. Apparently He's, we did, bro. He, Clearly a better arm talent. Like, I don't know if people are just remembering 38, 39-year-old Drew Brees now, but also the pocket presence yeah, man. is just totally different, like an all-time great versus a guy where sometimes it's a little bit questionable. And then of course you have to consider the situation. Drew Brees never played with this much talent in his entire life and produced at this unbelievable, unbelievable level. The middle ground, man, Logan, we are trying so hard to find this middle ground with Brock Purdy. I think we found it. I think this is a good spot to be, and we'll probably end up pissing off just about everybody by saying that, because boy, is he divisive right now. And we'll pick up the pace from this point forward, because we started with probably the two most divisive guys on this list. Who do you have at eight, Logan?
2: One more thing about Breeze, just because I want to give him his roses. The pocket presence, the pocket mobility to avoid sacks, uh, the fearlessness in the pocket, and he's the most accurate QB of all time. And I'm sorry. To say Breeze with mobility to me is a little bit preposterous because if you're forgetting about how great his arm was too, I think you're forgetting that Drew could move a little bit and make some plays. Uh, Yeah. I'm sorry. That's ridiculous.
3: (laughs) There's a real rush to crown the next Drew Breeze, man. It was Burrow. It was Tua. It was Baker Mayfield. Well, I don't remember anybody saying that. Actually, I guess you're kind of (laughs) right. I guess people did kind of say that. But let's just let Drew Breeze be Drew Breeze, man. All I want for the holidays this year is some NBA action. This week, new customers can score 150 instantly in bonus bets just for betting five
2: bucks, an instant dub just for you. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code NERDS. New customers can get 150 instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on basketball, only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code NERDS. The crown is yours. Deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. True. At at number eight is a guy who was uh, a little more highly touted than Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy, the last pick in the NFL draft. This gentleman, the number one overall pick in the draft a couple mm. years back. I have Trevor Lawrence here in this spot. And it's tough to gauge Trevor Lawrence because it seemed like after last season, we had finally seen him ascending, right? It takes quarterbacks a minute when they enter the league. These super yeah. highly touted guys that are the greats uh, in – the scale that it takes these guys on, it really differs. It takes a lot of different time. For Peyton Manning, who was one of the highly, high, you know, most highly touted guys of all time, came in and was a horrible rookie. So was Trevor Lawrence. Alex yeah. Smith, drafted in 2005, came in, huge gunslinger, big time playmaker, big time play extender. Yeah. Sucked his first couple of years in the uh, with the 49ers, and then you know, got better, and finally found his own with the Chiefs. That took him, you know, eight years to really find his footing as a franchise quarterback. You know, the the timelines are really different for guys. All of them are uber-talented. Lawrence is another one of those guys. Uber-talented, had all the physicals, had all the traits you wanted. And again, after last season, I thought we had finally seen him starting to climb the mountain, the slow climb to the mountain where he would cement himself as a top-five to top-three QB. And this season, we've seen him just plateau a little bit. And that's not to completely dump on trevor lawrence because i still think all of the physical traits all of the flashes you still see the amazing arm talent the fearlessness the balls we talk about balls here a lot on nerd sesh especially with quarterbacks all of these guys have huge nuts you got to as a quarterback man you got to take shots you got to take risks trevor's one of those guys who does not mind he will put the ball in harm's way and that's one of my favorite and least favorite things about trevor is that he's going to try to make big plays I also think what comes with that is that Trevor Lawrence is forced to try to do these things for a couple of reasons. One, I don't think he has great talent around him in the situation. He doesn't have a great defense. He doesn't have a great offensive line. He doesn't have weapons that are, you know, over the top, like a Brock Purdy or a Tua where they have these guys to go to. Trevor really has to maximize the most of his situation, and I think the play calling this year has really been evident about why Trevor has to put the ball in harm's way consistently with Jags games. Run the ball on first down, we get two yards. We're going to throw a screen pass and we're going to lose three. And you're putting Trevor in compromised positions to where he has to go over and above and beyond to make these big-time plays to stay ahead of the sticks. So, Because I think a lot of people, if you're just making a pure statistical case, you would have Trevor Lowe. He's tied fifth in total turnovers with 16. He's leading the NFL with 66 turnovers since he entered the league as a rookie. Yeah, Trevor does that a lot, and he turns a rock over. But, again, I think situation has to do with that a lot more than anything else. And I think slowly but surely, as his situation improves, as Trevor gains confidence as a quarterback, I'm going to make a really similar comparison to another first overall quarterback. Because, again, if you go number one overall, you have physical traits. You have ability. Matthew Stafford, Matthew Stafford mm. for so many years, huge turnover machine, Big-time balls, would sling the ball all over the field, crazy physical tools. I I have Matthew Stafford very high on my list, and we're going to get into Mm -hmm. him in a minute. I think Trevor Lawrence is very similar to a young Matthew Stafford in the sense that his situation is not great. And Stafford had one of the greatest wideouts of all time, too, to to rely on on Calvin Johnson in his early years. Lawrence is going to get better with time. He is going to age like a fine wine. I am 100% certain of that. Trevor is going to be great until 36, 37, 38, and I think he is going to command an insane control of the game, and I think he is going to be a top-five quarterback. It's going to come with time. We just have to be patient. I think the reason that Trevor has to do all this is a part of the growing pains of a very young, talented franchise quarterback, and it's due to a really tough situation. And I think his talent exceeds the positioning on my list. I think Trevor Lawrence will be in this upper echelon of quarterbacks one day. It's just not this season. It's just not today. I just want to be clear that the reason he's not low on my list is not because I I have full faith that Trevor Lawrence is going to be the guy one day. It's just not this season. So he's going to be at number eight here. And uh, I think that's appropriate. But like I said, man, I buy into Trevor Lawrence long-term wholeheartedly.
3: Totally fair. I don't think that you can have him in the top five right now. I do have him a couple spots higher at number six, though. And to be clear, that's just out of the healthy guys. If we were looking at the full NFL, he would be number nine for me, which is a step back from where I had him coming into this year. I was super high on what he could achieve this year. I had him as my dark horse MVP pick. And he has been underwhelming when held up to that standard. But he's still been really good. And I think a lot of people are just missing the point with trevor lawrence and they are looking Mm -hmm. at the statistical production in a vacuum and they aren't watching him i mean he absolutely has not just all the physical tools elite size elite arm talent uh, elite mobility Mm -hmm. right can really run it when he wants to 300 yards on the ground this year four touchdowns he really doesn't make many poor decisions the problem with the turnovers is the fumbles and he needs Mm -hmm. to clean that up but I'm generally less concerned by fumbles than I am with bad picks for a quarterback. And Trevor has only thrown 18 picks in his last 31 regular season games, and there haven't been many bad ones this year. Like, we just saw that Browns game where he throws three picks, but on a couple of those, they're just straight-up miscommunications. Those don't fall on him. Mm -hmm. So I don't look at him as some guy who's careless with the football through the air. I think he's smart. I think he's a good Mm -hmm. decision-maker. He can, at times, be a bit inaccurate, But he's mostly pretty good there, too. It's just he's in a tough situation. I mean, the Jags really struggle to run the football. And well, now he's down his number one receiver in Christian Kirk. Angram has come along nicely, but I also think that Trevor is making him to an extent. (laughs) Like He, to me, brings some of that really high upside physical tools and creation while he is pretty good at the game manager stuff. I wouldn't say that he's clearly been better than the guy who I have in my number seven spot this year. I guess I'll just try to keep that vague for now, but I've just seen it more from Trevor when we factor in last year. I do think that at times people don't factor in how difficult situations can be comparatively and how privileged some situations are. I think that there are spots. If you put Trevor with the Philadelphia Eagles, man, if you put Trevor with the San Francisco 49ers, you put Trevor with the Miami Dolphins. I mean, good heavens, good heavens, Lord almighty. That'd probably be your league MVP. So I do have him at number six. My number eight though, is a guy who was in one of those very privileged situations that I just mentioned and is probably the quarterback I've been most disappointed by this year. I had him at number five last year in the fully healthy NFL. I thought he was coming off of an unbelievably impressive season, but I have Jalen Hurts here right now. I do not think that Hurts has played the quarterback position at all that high of a level this year. Now, I still think that there are too many great physical tools with him to deny being in this top eight. I still think there's some separation there. Having a quarterback who is an elite short yardage back is pretty awesome when you get automatic first downs on third and one, fourth and one. Of course, the line really matters there, but you couldn't just do that with any old quarterback who gives you 14 rushing touchdowns. And of course, We saw what he did in the Super Bowl last year, extending plays, making big time throws. We saw how efficient he was as a passer over the totality of last year. He's stamped here to me. I couldn't put him any lower, but I think we have seen him struggle a lot more. He's taken longer to make decisions this year. I think he's had a much harder time reading a lot of the zone looks that we're seeing thrown at the Eagles where they haven't had as explosive a passing game. Last year, they were second in 20-plus yard completions and 40-plus yard completions. This year, they're tied 13th in both, and when you can turn him into more of a nickel and dime quarterback through the air, I don't think that he's been as effective there, and he hasn't been as dynamic as a scrambler. His rushing production is down 25% but at times you still get him bailing out of some of these pockets that are pretty good. And I know that he has been banged up throughout this year and that he was sick this past week, but it's not just physical stuff that we're seeing. It really is the processing of the game, the decision-making, the turnovers are way up, and he's always gonna be a touchdown machine largely because of what he does on the ground. But I would say his only good performance in the last five weeks was against the Bills. And by the way, That was an overrated performance because he did nothing in the first half. And then he was finishing drives with touchdowns. But the run game did a lot of the heavy lifting on some of those drives as well. So I wouldn't say he played a good overall game. I would say he played a really good half. And this is an Eagles team now that as their defense has regressed and as they've hit a tough stretch of their schedule, they've needed Hurts to be great. They've needed him to step up like one of these 1A top tier, top five quarterbacks does. And he hasn't. So, again, there's still too much good stuff that we've seen from him to take this any lower, but right now, he's tied for the league lead in turnovers, and he's just not doing enough to offset that. Like, he took care of the ball exceptionally well last year, and this year, it has been quite the opposite, as he struggled to be as explosive a playmaker as well, both through the air and on the ground.
2: So, we flip-flop Lawrence and Hurts on ours, okay. and... Honestly, I don't really have any issue with you having Hurts this low, Carson. I think, expectations considered, I completely understand this. And my six through eight were really hard to decide between. I think you could Uh have these three guys. We'll get to the other guy in the mix. I'm assuming he's going to be your other guy in this tier. I think so. Uh, You can have these guys in any sort of order. The one bit of slack I will cut Jalen. I think he has played three really, really poor games this year. The loss against New York. The loss last week against Seattle, which was an incomprehensibly bad loss. And then the loss against uh, New York, Kansas City, and, and this last week against Seattle, I think were definitively three worst games. And they're probably three worst games that it, it, last year included. You know, the three worst games I've uh-huh. seen Jalen Hurts play, point blank, period. But there is a level of faith I have with Hurts, with the play extension, with the, the ability— And I've seen him in other big games this year. That's the one thing I don't want to discredit is it hasn't all been sunshine and roses and easy, smooth sailing with no waves like it was last year. Jalen Hurts could play game manager football on a game-to-game basis with how talented the Eagles were last year, and they could win games. You saw it in the playoffs up until the Super Bowl, you know? So... The one area where I will cut him some slack is the fact that in some big games where the Eagles' defense has been getting trotted on, Hertz has made big plays and won them games. And you can't say that for other QBs. And I think that Hertz deserves a ton of credit, too, for how elite Philadelphia has been in the red zone and on third downs. That's something that I don't want to overlook. They're still number three in third down offense. Again, yeah. there is a little bit of noise in those numbers. I don't think that they're top 10 and top five in both of those categories if you take away the QB sneak element, because again, for a lot of those third downs, third and one, third and inches in the red zone, you know, fourth and inches, whatever it is, he does have the benefit of playing with one of the best offensive lines in football, and not a lot of other quarterbacks can do that, so I think there's a little bit of noise in those numbers, but for the most part, Hurts is a big part of those numbers, and I don't know, man, I don't think Trevor Lawrence or Jalen Hurts have met my expectations this season. So, I don't know, I guess the question... I think Trevor's disappointed me a little more, and that's probably why I have him lower, just because I I anticipated the MVP lead. Not because of the situation. I, I, both of these guys have disappointed me, but... And maybe that was... Maybe that was... Maybe I jumped the gun. Maybe I put the cart before the horse there. You know what I mean? Maybe I expected a little too much out of Trevor in a lackluster situation, but... I don't know, it, it was tough deciding between these guys, but I think Hertz has played the position just marginally better now if you put trevor if you put trevor in philadelphia are the eagles better i don't know that's a good question i just think you might be right you might be right carson
3: i really think they are neither of these guys have progressed in the may in the way maybe that we've hoped but I think that what we've seen from Jalen is regression. I think we've seen him take a step back, or certainly at the very least, really struggle to adjust to some of the changes that we've seen this year in terms of defensive approach. I've not been impressed by Jalen Hurts whatsoever. And I think that he has played more actively bad games. And I think that if you put seal in this situation where he doesn't have to try to overcome and instead can take advantage of all the good things going on around him, I'm pretty confident that Trevor Lawrence would make the Eagles a better football team right now i just think he's a better mental processor of the game i think he's a better raw arm talent and i mean he's still a really really good athlete t-law's good man t-law's good i would not be selling my t-law stock right now and i know a lot of people are i keep seeing these baker versus t-law what? graphics are you behind those yeah are you behind those <laughs> i wish i'm disgusted every time i want to vomit Terrible, terrible stuff. Reckless journalism from the people putting out the T-Law versus Baker graphics. Okay, who do you have in this seven spot, Logan?
2: Number seven is a guy uh, with something very similar in common to Trevor Lawrence, and that is that he was a very highly touted collegiate prospect and a high draft pick. That's number two overall pick rookie, C.J. Stroud. Uh, yeah. C.J. Stroud's the best rookie I've ever seen, and I know he's had a few games, mishaps here and there, but... Wow. Him. <laughs> wow. <Him. laughs> number seven in passing yards. He's number three in passing yards per attempt. Can I just... 8.2 yards per attempt for a rookie? Oh, my God. You're out of your gourd, CJ. Yeah. He's tied 13th in total touchdowns with 23. He's been great at protecting the football. He's tied 21st in total turnovers with nine. And it really is the greatest rookie campaign ever when you consider everything. We can talk about his skills, the athletic traits. He is pretty mobile, too. The play extension the processing, the playmaker. You know how in the pre-draft process, Carson, everybody was talking about Bryce Young and how he's such a good, true point guard? The best point guards in basketball or football or the best captains of offense, in my opinion, are guys who keep their eyes downfield, who are always scanning. You know what I mean? A, A guy who's always got his head up. You know, those are the guys that are most frustrating to play with when you're playing basketball or something. The guys that aren't scanning. CJ, no matter the situation, it baffles me. Please watch a Texans game. Go back and watch highlights. No matter how much pressure he is under, no matter how much duress he is in, if he's running, if he is scrambling, trying to evade pressure, I've never seen a guy that can consistently keep his head up and downfield and scanning while he's multitasking and managing all of these other things. You see guys that crumble under the pressure. And again, I'm going to compare some bad quarterbacks here, but that really is the difference. Bad situation. I'm going to shout out my Steelers. Take a look at Mitch Trubisky or Mason Rudolph. Two bona fide, bad, horrible, Bombs. horrible, bummy quarterbacks, right? Yeah. They do a really bad job of that. One, Mitch looks at one side of the field and can't scan the other. He is unable to do that while without able to look at pressure. Mason Rudolph is so overwhelmed at the QB position at any point. It's like he's just a scared kid back there. Like, uh, 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 uh. CJ is so composed, and he's so good at balancing all of these aspects of the position. But that is the thing that impresses me the most is his ability to keep his eyes downfield and to deliver throws wherever. He's a franchise quarterback, and I think if he is not in your top 10, I do not respect your quarterback acumen. You know, even if you're like— Even if you're saying that you think CJ is too young right now to be considered in these conversations, I I just think you're wrong. Like, when you're evaluating the situation that these guys are playing in, think about the wide receiver talent that he's elevating on a game-to-game basis. Nico Collins, Tank Dell, Noah Brown, Dalton Schultz. And again, on the team-wide scale, this is a team that completely hit the reset button this season. Rookie uh, head coach, rookie coaching staff, Rookie quarterback, rookie cornerstone on defense, Uh, brand new everything. I had this team winning four to five games this year. And uh, like, again, we're making excuses for Trevor in his situation. We could have easily done that for CJ Stroud if he had come out here and he was at 15 TDs and 10 picks, you know, and he had shown flashes and we'd be going, oh, well, you know, it's a bad situation. CJ has been successful in spite of his situation. The one edge I will give CJ to Trevor, In terms of situation, uh, and the one where I'll cut Trevor some slack, is I think he is a better offensive coordinator. I don't... I abhor Jacksonville's play calling. Again, I think that is the biggest detriment to Trevor as a quarterback. I don't think they do a good enough job of scheming up routes, of setting him up for success. It is Trevor... Dragging that offense to being good. CJ has a good offensive mind that is scheming up things for him. That's the one area where I think that we can cut Trevor a little slack, but CJ checks all the boxes. I think both of these guys are bona fide franchise studs for the next ten to fifteen years, man.
3: Yeah, it's as I said. I couldn't say that Trevor has been clearly better than Stroud this year. I just have that extra year of data. I know Mm -hmm. you're a big fan of the Bill Walsh sample size for quarterbacks, (laughs) and we aren't at that mark yet for CJ Stroud. But I agree, you can't keep him out of your top 10 just on the back of that because he's been awesome. And you mentioned the efficiency. He's second in passing yards per game because he's missed one game now. So he is in that, like, Purdy to a tier of stratospheric production and efficiency without mm-hmm. those crazy advantages in terms of coaching in skill position talent. And I absolutely think that his receivers have proven to be better than expected, but we're not talking about like the Upper echelon of the league here. So he is doing something incredible in that respect. He is an obscenely explosive passer, second in the league in 20 plus yard completions. And it's what you said, dude. He's got big nuts. He hangs in the pocket. (laughs) He keeps his eyes downfield. He's extremely accurate everywhere. He's got good size. He's got a good arm. And then he does have that ability to really move around in the pocket and extend plays a bit. And he has the lowest interception percentage in the league right now. Mm -hmm. And he's got some of that rushing upside. He's got three touchdowns on the ground this year. And is super confident. And he's just a gamer. Like, I have no complaints about C.J. Stroud as a quarterback. Yes, the Jets shut him down, particularly so. But the Jets have shut a lot Mm -hmm. of people down. They forced a lot of people into game-breaking mistakes. So I can't really hold that against him. Like, maybe we need to see a little bit more, but I don't know, dude. If I were taking my top five quarterbacks for the future, guys who I can have for the rest of their career, I'm going Patty Mac, I'm going JA17, I'm going with New Era 8, I'm going with G Herbo, and then I'm going with CJ. I would take CJ over Trevor long-term. I mean, what he's doing in year one versus where Trevor's at in year three, the margin is certainly very slim no matter which way you go on that.
2: I agree with the top four wholeheartedly. Man, that's a... Joe Joe
3: Shiesty. Joe Shiesty, of course, is making a compelling case, but I do think CJ has a little more upside because of the physical tools, man.
2: Not only that, I would say Burrow has to have injury concerns for people at this point. Absolutely. How much time he's missed. Man, that's a really good question, Carson. I would... Damn. I know I have Stroud above T-Law this year. I think I'd take T-Law long-term, but... Mm. I mean, hey, man.
3: That's really interesting can, can you that go- we're flipped on that.
2: Yeah, I know that's weird. I know that that is weird. That's the toughest question. I mean, T-Law
3: does have more like insane physical tools to grow into. I just look at any dude playing at this level as a rookie, and I'm like, boy, boy, that's something else. I mean, Trevor sucked as a rookie. Trevor, yeah. was, t- Trevor was 2015 Peyton Manning as a rookie sort of statistical production. I think literally nine touchdowns to 17 picks, they're identical there.
2: You can't go wrong, though, no, man. I mean, all of these guys yeah. you would love to have for, for you know, the next uh, 10 years.
3: Very true. Okay, so you have Hurts at six. I have T-Law there. We swapped. Let's move into the top five, Logan. Who you got in that five spot?
2: Uh, you know, this might be my hottest take, and I flirted with having this guy number four. You little flirt. Mm-hmm. Matthew Stafford is number five for me, man. And... I'll run down some statistical uh, numbers first before I get into it. He's 5th in total passing yards, tied 5th in passing yards per attempt, uh, tied 13th in total touchdowns, 21st in total turnovers. Something that we talked about a couple of weeks ago, Carson, was the absurd arm talent that Matthew Stafford has at this age. One of the greatest arm talents of all time, unequivocally. He can just make any throw. Feet planted, on the move or not. Any arm angle, Stafford can do it all. But what I think has kind of got lost in the shuffle, and I'm surprised, hasn't been more of a story this year, is that we are seeing one of the all-time great quarterback resurgences this season for Matthew Stafford. Last season, he went 3-6. and six. He had 10 TDs to 8 picks. And this is coming off of a season where he threw 41 touchdowns and led the Rams to a Super Bowl victory. I completely wrote him off. I said, Stafford's done. He's cooked. I legitimately thought we were looking at a Drew Brees, Peyton Manning-esque kind of slow slip into retirement. You know, that Phillip Rivers kind of, you lose a little bit off your arm, and you just slip into into being a a guy with a good brain, but his arm's too limited. I was wrong. Like, I I thought his arm was absolutely cooked. And when you think about the all-time great quarterback bounce back, the resurgences in NFL history... Uh, Drew Brees wondering if he can ever throw again off of his torn labrum where the Dolphins literally say the Dolphins team doctors in that offseason say Drew Brees can't throw his arm is shot he's never going to throw again and then he bounces back and plays another 10 years Chad Pennington the Jets let him walk after a 1-7 campaign he had a shoulder injury years previous where he wins comeback player of the year has an ankle injury they cut him then he goes to the division rival Dolphins bounces back Peyton Manning after his neck injury goes to the Broncos. Randall Cunningham retired, Carson, and then he came back and led the league in touchdowns with the Vikings in 98. Uh, Jim Plunkett after the Pats, Dan Marino post Achilles, Carson Palmer after the Raiders. All of these quarterbacks that had these resurgences, this is one of the greatest ones of all time. It is remarkable. Matthew Stafford is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. I I was done. I had him in Russell Wilson territories of I had banished him, man. He was gone. And he's doing this. The decision-making, the dissection of defenses, the scanning, the processing, the pinpoint accuracy, the the way he protects the football, the fearlessness, the damn mobility and play extension. It's amazing. And when he's on, he is one of the few quarterbacks in the NFL that feels like he is in complete control of the game. It feels like he is going to dictate and beat you. And that's how it felt against the Saints. Oh, my God. I mean, just cooking. And again, when we're talking about elevating a depleted roster, this is a Rams team that had 40 rookies in training camp. 16 rookies made the team. Again, they were 5-12 and 12 last season and 3-6 and six in games with Stafford. He's got great receiver talent, no doubt. Uh, I want to give a huge shout to Puka and Cooper because they are playing their asses off, too. Puka played in, uh, an outstanding game uh, last night, making all kinds of tough catches, but... This isn't a great O-line. This isn't a great running game. This isn't a great defense. And Matthew Stafford has put this team on his back and has put them in a position to make a a playoff push. Like, all things considered, Carson, I think this is one of the greatest comeback stories by a quarterback in NFL history.
3: Yeah, I feel like Peyton probably has to be, number one, having the greatest quarterback regular season ever after Mm -hmm. major neck surgery in his late 30s. But... I have Stafford at number five as well. And just like you, I flirted with him up to number four. What we have seen from him over these last five weeks is absurd. 278 yards per game, 14 touchdowns to one pick, 7.8 yards per attempt, and a passer rating over 114. And the Rams are four and one in that stretch and averaging over 32 points per game. And absolutely, what puts him in these conversations is that He is a top three arm talent in football. It's Mahomes, it's Josh Allen, and then it's Matt Stafford. For him to still be there at this stage in his career is unbelievable, but it unlocks so much for him. And also his creativity as a passer, man. It is the blend of those two skill sets that crazy arm talent with that audacity that makes him pretty clearly to me the best creator at the quarterback position who isn't also super mobile right like yeah he moves solidly in the pocket especially for his age but he isn't one of those true dual threats all the other guys it's lamar it's mahomes it's josh allen stafford is the one dude whose arm is so insane and who has that gene that risk-taking gene to where he just creates these unbelievable advantages inside the pocket I mean, against Washington, dude, he threw two no-look passes, both of which are practical, both of which are right on target. We see often these ridiculous sidearm deliveries, which are valuable, getting the ball out in traffic, right? He doesn't just do this stuff for fun. We see him throw ropes while flat-footed when he can't step up in the pocket. Like, every single week, there's two to three Stafford throws where I just laugh. I laugh at the absurdity of it. His ability also to fit balls into these tight windows. Like, yeah, with this crazy velocity at times, but also with perfect arc. I mean, his accuracy is incredible in this five week stretch. It's been absurd. He's been a perfect quarterback in these last five weeks. Like he really has been. And I think there's a separation between him and any of these other dudes who we talked about Lawrence Stroud. He is clearly playing better than all of those guys. This is the same dude Who was a top five quarterback in 2021? Who gave you 4,900 yards and 40 touchdowns, and one of the better quarterback postseason runs that we have ever seen carried that great offense. This is a top five healthy quarterback in the NFL. The only reason that I don't have him one spot higher is that over the course of this season and just knowing Matt Stafford, he can still make a couple more mistakes than I would like because he does take those risks. Now, in these five weeks, he hasn't even been doing that. But when I compare him to my number four, that's a guy who has been more consistently, reliably great over this entire season. But I mean, the talent from Stafford, it's incredible. And the Rams are, without a doubt, one of the scariest wild card teams in football in the NFC. We've been talking all year. Who is that second even good wild card team after the Dallas Cowboys and... uh or it could be the Eagles. We'll see whoever wins that shit show at this point. But I mean, the Rams are running laps around the Seahawks, the Vikings, the Packers, anybody else who is going to be in that spot. They're one of the most dynamic offenses in football right now. And that is largely due to Stafford playing as one of the absolute, maybe not tier one quarterbacks, but like tier one B quarterbacks. He's firmly top five right now.
2: Definitely, definitely. And I think you hit on, the exact difference between him and number four. I also have, uh, I have Dak Prescott here at number four. I'm assuming you do as well. Uh, Sam. Yeah. It's just the totality of this season. And the fact that Dak also has had to overcome, you know, poor rushing performances where he's putting the team on his back. Uh, it's not the best competition I know, but there has been a different level and Dak's really protected yeah. the ball. Well, Uh, for most of this season and I still agree because my take on Stafford for a while was Stat Padford uh, always has that interception looming you know that pick six is coming with Stafford and we did see it a few games don't get me wrong we have seen that I think that is probably the case Uh, not that Matt has a bozo gene like Jared Goff I don't think he does and Dak's not perfect in that regard either but I protect uh, I trust Dak to protect the football a little more than I do than Stafford at this point. Because if we were just going off of arm talent and ability, I think Stafford uh clears. You know, it is deeper than that. Yeah. At this point, just between them. I trust Dak to protect the football a little better. And I think there's similar upside in terms of the shots that these guys take, the poise, the processing. Uh with both of them though, I want to see them do it. Uh against upper echelon defenses and against top notch competition. Uh for either of these teams, they end up in the wild card though. I do not want to see the Cowboys or the Rams, man. They would terrify me uh, in the first round of a playoff scenario with how these QBs are playing.
3: Yeah, Dak is playing about as well as you can without being an elite athlete. He's a good athlete. You know, he's got solid mobility and he's got above average arm talent. But the other guys who are talking about the top three just have those insane athletic traits. I mean, he is similar to Stafford in that respect. Stafford has more of the exceptional arm talent. Dak has a bit more of the mobility. Both dudes are playing the the position really, really, really well, though. And uh, basically maxing out their ceilings as quarterbacks. Dak, to me, has been so, so good over these last nine weeks, even after that rough showing against the Bills. 286 yards per game, 23 touchdowns to three picks. And, I mean, Dak wasn't good in that game, but nothing went well for the Cowboys. They were just drubbed in every single aspect he's got awesome footwork in the pocket i think he's been making good decisions quickly this year but then he's also capable of hanging in the pocket staying in there making big time throws and you haven't seen too many negative plays from him turnovers sacks that really fall on dak i mean he's an above average mover using his legs enough he's willing to push the ball downfield and make those big throws like there's not much more to say about dak we've talked about it he belongs in the mvp conversation of course, people have radical opinions about Dak Prescott because he's the quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. And unfortunately, playing a game like that on that big a stage against important competition, that's probably taken him out of these conversations. But in a really flawed MVP race, I don't think that that one game can when he's been as reliably great as any quarterback in football. He's played himself up to this spot. Now, If we were looking at the entire league healthy, I would still take Herbert and Burrow above him, but that's it. I would have him six. I had him 10 in the preseason, so he has deservedly climbed up because he has improved. He has minimized the bad and maximized the good, and he's just playing at an awesome, awesome, really elite level, and one bad game doesn't change that. I trust this version of Dak far more than I've ever trusted any version before. All right, who do you have in that three spot, Logan?
2: At number three, uh, I think this is the tier one of QBs, the guys that I would put above uh, everybody uh-huh. else. I have Lamar Jackson, and I think a lot of people, if they wouldn't have L- Lamar up here, it's something that a uh, friend of the show, we had him on here. We talked some Lamar with him. Uh, something that Theo Ash said. When you Theo look Ash. at it uh, statistically, uh, Lamar doesn't rank highly in any of the passing categories. He is 16th in passing yards, tied 16th in total touchdowns, tied 13th in total turnovers. Like, Lamar's case just doesn't jump off the page at you, but he is so good at extending plays, at extending drives, at, like, uh, I don't want to call it, like, Lamar's not a game manager, but he manages the game so well. He just plays mistake-free. He makes good decisions. And, moreover, again, any other year than this year, Lamar's really maximized himself as a passer. And Uh this is the year that we need to see it. Because this is the year where people are really going to come and bring the hammer down on Lamar if he doesn't win a playoff game. This is the weakest AFC in probably six years. There's no more juggernaut. There's no juggernaut Chiefs. There's no juggernaut Patriots team. If this is the year that Lamar Jackson and this Ravens team are going to make a deep playoff run, this certainly feels like it. This is the best passing version of Lamar we've ever seen. This is the most uh, seamless offense that they've ever used. This is the best receiving talent he's ever had. And this is the best he's ever played. Like, if there's going to be a year where the Ravens make a playoff push and win a playoff game, it has to be this year. And if Lamar falls short again, Carson, then maybe we have a conversation about where he ranks because he's dropped two duds in the playoffs thus far. Mm -hmm. But I don't think this is that year. I think the Ravens are going to handle business this year. I think they win one to two playoff games. I think they make a conference title appearance at the minimum. Yeah. Maybe not at the minimum. The Chiefs and... Bills are still good. Those will be interesting teams to watch. But Lamar has to win a playoff game this year, and I think he does get it done finally. The numbers aren't ever going to jump off the page at you with Lamar, but he extends drives. He's elite in the red zone. He's elite on third down. And he's just one of the most game-breaking talents that we've ever seen. He's consistently the fastest, yeah. most agile, most uh, most athletic guy on the field. It's I mentioned this last time we talked about Lamar Carson – to me it's that that Steph Curry effect and I can't I can't quantify totally. it. There's so many eyes that always just have to be on Lamar at all times because if you don't, you take one snap off, he's gone up the yeah. sideline, he's taking it to the house. Put some respect on Lamar, have him in your top three. Uh again, if you don't have Lamar in your top five or in this area, I I don't know what you're doing, man.
3: I have Lamar at three as well and You may not be able to quantify his impact with the individual passing statistics, but the impact is undeniable. My favorite stat to always read off, since 2019, his first full season as a starter, the Ravens averaged 28.1 points per game with him, which is equivalent to like the best offensive football over that time, and 17.2 points per game without him, which is a really, really bad offense. And you can sit there and ask yourself, all right, over these five years in which they have been an elite offense consistently with Lamar and a bad offense without him, who have been their other elite skill position players, right? They haven't had elite running back talent. I mean, shout out to Gus Bus; He's always out there doing his thing. It's Mark Andrews. He's been the best skill position player that they've had. He's been effectively their wide receiver one. Mark Andrews goes out this year. Lamar hasn't skipped a beat. In fact, he played his best game of the season. One of the best games of his career against the Rams without Mark Andrews out there. Like it is Lamar, man. It is the impact. It is being the best rushing threat from the quarterback position in NFL history with now the best passing version of Lamar that we've ever seen. By far, his most efficient passing campaign in terms of yards per attempt since his MVP season, and he's doing that with a larger passing burden per game, more production... And it's the smartest rushing version that we've ever seen of Lamar. And what I mean by that is that he is keeping himself out of harm's way. He is getting his 8 to 10 yards, and then he is sliding. He is making maybe one dude miss, and then he is making sure that he doesn't take that hit that can cause him to get banged up down the stretch. And when he is available, I mean, this team is a bona fide contender. I've said they're my favorite out of the AFC. I think the Bills are really coming in hot. The Chiefs are still really scary with Mahomes in that defense. The margins aren't crazy big, but... I think the Ravens are the second best team in football, and there's just no case for that if you don't have Lamar, because yeah, this line is really good, but this isn't the most dominant rushing attack in football if there is any other quarterback on this team other than Lamar Jackson. And these receiving weapons, yeah, they're better than what Lamar has had, but you're still looking at Zay Flowers, OBJ, and Isaiah Likely as your top targets. Lamar elevates this group so, so much in a tier that is only with Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. I've said it over and over again this year, but I mean, he makes a really strong case as the MVP frontrunner. He is a top three quarterback right now. And I would have him even above Herbert and Burrow because I think he has progressed enough as a pure passer this year. And the overall creation, the overall stretch he puts on a defense, the impact that has on a team offense is just overwhelmingly great.
2: I'm so glad that you bring up uh, his decision-making as a rusher because I think that's such a huge difference maker I was concerned with how Lamar played the position in his first few years. Does this style of play work? Will he be able to stay healthy? The past two seasons, it was no. He didn't play a game in December. He didn't finish either of the last two seasons. That was a big concern. It's not to me anymore. And it's not just deciding when to slide or this and that. It is staying in the pocket longer and buying time and looking to throw first more. There's a huge difference in his mentality that season, and that would have been something that I think held him back or held him lower on my list. I don't have that concern anymore, and he is definitively in that Tier 1 of QB.
0: There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com with Amex.
3: What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA six Man of the Year,
1: Angie can even help with extremely specific projects. Just tell them what you need, and Angie will find the right solution for you. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com, or download the app
2: today.
3: All right, so, Logan, who do you have in that two spot?
2: I couldn't ever have anybody else other than Patrick Mahomes in my number one spot, so I have Josh Allen at two I am really intrigued to see if you got old Joshy boy at number one, though, because I know you were kind of banging the drum for his MVP case uh, last week. Josh is awesome, and I think that has gotten lost in the shuffle. And I got lost in the sauce here for a little bit when I said Joe Breezy, uh, Joe Shiesty, uh was up there. I am. I'm back on the good side, man. And yes, Josh does lead the league in turnovers, but he also leads the league in tutties, buddy. Did you ever think about that? Did you ever think about... How he has Stephon Diggs and, like, nobody else as his receiving talent. Did you ever think about how bad his offensive line was? And did you ever think about how, like, they overcame all the losses on their defensive side of the football? Did you? Josh is him, man. Oh, I know you did, yeah. (laughs) Josh is still him. Josh is still one of the best rushing weapons of all time on third down in the red zone, Josh is a GOAT, man. Josh is a beast, and I'm so happy to see that. Hey, Pittsburgh, take some notes. That's how you That's how you fire an offensive coordinator, guys. That's how you rally the troops and get a team to buy in for a couple of weeks after you fire him. Uh, the team has bought in. Uh, Joe Brady is doing a phenomenal job of weaponizing the skill position talents here, and Josh is thriving, man. I do think he makes this team, though. I think he makes this offense completely. I think he makes up the Bills. Josh is the Bills. And if you think that the Bills are going to go on a playoff run or going to get to the Super Bowl, whatever, whatever, I know that's kind of become a bit of a hot take recently because the Bills are on a run. It's going to be because of Josh and because of Josh and nobody else. He's one of the most prolific playoff QBs too. I'm not going to predict it just because, again, football is a team sport and I just don't think the Bills team compares to the Chiefs or the Ravens. But if they do it, this would be one of the most impressive quarterback feats of all time. And I could... Like, if he makes a title run or a, a Super Bowl run here, I'm all for a Josh Allen number 1 case because then it really is him overcoming some of the worst circumstances in football. I mean, Carson, a serious question because I know you have a lot to say on Josh. Do this thought exercise with me. Say you take an average to below average quarterback. Say you take Baker Mayfield and you put him in Buffalo. How many games do the Buffalo Bills win this year? Hmm, that's a good question.
3: Now, I do want to give props to a couple dudes who have been playing a lot better as the Mm -hmm. season's gone along. James Cook's been great on the ground, but he's also gotten a lot more involved in the receiving game. Duncan Cade has really grown into his own. The start of the year, things were a lot uglier when it was so reliant on Diggs, and then Gabe Davis was still the number two target who's just not very good. And the defense just played their best game, and the line probably just played their best game. It was a strong showing against the Cowboys across the board. But if Baker, I mean, I would say that this is... Considering their tough schedule, probably a, a five, six win team somewhere in there.
2: Yeah, exactly. Like, you're just, if you don't have a superhuman quarterback at this table, the Bills are not remotely close to the playoff yeah. conversation. That's what Josh yeah. Allen can single handedly do for you.
3: Yeah, he does as much for his football team as anyone in. The NFL. He has done that year in, year out. He has automatically carried them to double digit wins and more likely than not, 13 wins when they haven't necessarily been a great football team. And that's especially been the case this year with the defensive regression. And yeah, Josh has cost them a couple games with mistakes, but a couple of those losses do not fall on him. They are the defense failing. They are just mind blowing situational errors by people around him. I'm not gonna go on my Josh monologue again, okay? I obviously have him in my top two. The separation between him and Lamar, to me, is how truly elite he is as a passer. There's still a gap between him and Lamar. We've seen it in those playoff settings. We see it every week. I mean, the arm talent is even greater. I think he is a, a even smarter quarterback. I think that so often we see Josh making good decisions with the football, doing a great job picking apart defenses, and it's as you said, people key in on the mistakes. I shouted out Greeny last week. He's just had some awesome Josh Allen rants, but I mean, Josh has the second most positive touchdown to turnover margin over this span in which everybody talks about him leading the league in turnovers. Only Patrick Mahomes is above him because he does that much overwhelmingly great stuff. The Bills are the number one scoring offense in that stretch. Like he does everything. For this team at such a brilliantly high level. And if you are a Josh Allen doubter, you're wrong. And there have been so many people this year. Josh Allen's not top 5. Josh Allen's not top 10. You look like a fool. And you're going to look like a fool for a long time. Because, I mean, there really is an obsession with turnovers. To the point where, like, I mean, would you rather have Alex Smith, bro? Do you have that much of a, a passion for avoiding turnovers that you don't care about the fact that guys make you an elite offense and are the only reason that you are that, that's Josh. That's all I'm going to say. That's it for Josh, okay? I say this every single week, but he's the man. He's number two stamped.
2: The Bills had that guy. His name was Tyrod Taylor.
3: His name was Tyrod Taylor, Logan. And you know what? That was such a frustrating experience. They benched him for Nathan Peterman, and that didn't go so well. That didn't go so well, but where did it lead them? It led them to Josh Allen, which is the single best thing to ever happen to this franchise, bar none, and if things go right around him, mm. this is a quarterback who will win you a Super Bowl. And I'd be surprised if he does it at some point in his career. Uh, it's absolutely a team accomplishment. Josh is, the, is just that sort of next level, generational, top 10 all-time talent. Those guys tend to get one. There's only a couple exceptions. I think he is that overwhelmingly great individually. He's going to get you there. And he's already gotten you into those conversations year in, year out.
2: Well, Carson, I thought the best thing to ever happen to the Bills was when this certain fella ran for 2,000 yards in 14 games. But Yes.
3: Well, actually, even better, Logan, was when he was ultimately found not guilty and they could keep him up in the ring of honor. Glove didn't Juices fit. Juices loose, baby. Glove didn't fit. No, but I mean, seriously, how do you do something like that? 2,000 yards, 14 games. It's unbelievable. It's impressive. Is that
2: like 170 yards per game? That's absurd, man. What is that, 140? No, it's
3: not 170. I think it's 143. Yeah. Disgusting. Okay, Logan, why is Patrick Mahomes number one?
2: It's very marginal uh, between Josh and Pat on their best days. The one difference maker I will say is the consistency of Patrick Mahomes. Uh, If you've heard Carson and I talk for years on end, uh, five straight AFC title games, uh, greatest arm talent of all time. To me, when you were making the distinction between the two, it really is You know, when Josh throws a pick or Josh makes a bad play or something, I I go, damn, Josh. But I'm not surprised. I'm like, ah, you know, Josh does this sometimes. When Pat makes a mistake or Pat makes a bad decision, like Pat is damn near flawless in his decision-making, his processing, his – he just rarely makes a bad play where I'm like, Pat, what are you doing? What is this – why did you throw that football? I'm not saying it never happens. It does. It happens to everybody, but – to me, when Pat, on an individual game, makes a a bad throw or a bad decision, it's just more shocking to me. I expect perfection from Patrick Mahomes, and when I don't get perfection, I'm disappointed. When that is your standard, when your standard is that bar, there can't be anybody above you. Like, when Patrick Mahomes isn't perfect, he is criticized. And for honestly, for a large part of Josh, I think that's true too, but for pat there's just a different level of expectation that i comes with that comes with him, and i've said this for years i will stand on this i would never bet against patrick mahomes in a single game scenario and i would not take any other quarterback in nfl history uh, to quarterback my football team than patrick mahomes i think he's the perfect quarterback uh the guy was made in a lab man
3: well said on all counts, I have nothing to add. I think that he's the best quarterback <laughs> ever when you're talking about peak. Nobody has ever felt that inevitably great. And the Chiefs' struggles this year just do not fall on him. I mean, even the interception count is so deceptive when you consider. I mean, I can remember concretely two of those that are directly mm-hmm. off of just Kadarius Toney's hands. Like, the receiver play that he is dealing with is ultimately holding him back only from reaching the sort of like all time excellence that we are used to that's just in terms of production i still think he is every bit that quarterback i haven't seen anything from patrick this year where i'm like oh you've taken a step back the numbers just have the team success just has because of the towel that he's dealing with but he's number one it's gonna take i mean a whole lot to dislodge him from that status man i don't know josh becoming the best quarterback ever like I, i really can't see it as much as i love josh pat is that unrivaled all time so
2: there you have it, folks. One more point, Logan? Well, I was just wanted to say, if you guys want to make pure statistical-based cases, Baker Mayfield and Patrick Mahomes technically do have Hold the on. same amount of total touchdowns. Hmm?
3: All right. Yeah. Well, then it's Purdy 1, 2-2. Two two. Those are your top two quarterbacks in the NFL. CJ Stroud 3. <laughs> just don't threaten me with a good time. All <laughs> right. But at the end of the day, that's not how we had it, Logan. We just gave you our top 10s. I will just very quickly run down what it would be at a fully healthy league. I would have Mahomes 1, Josh 2, Lamar 3. That's the same. Then Herbert 4, Burrow 5, Dak 6, Stafford 7, Rogers 8, Trevor 9, CJ 10.
2: I completely agree, except I would flip CJ and Trevor. And, well, yeah, I would flip CJ. You would have
3: Hurts there instead of Trevor.
2: True. Right. I would have Hurts then I would have CJ and then I would flip-flop uh, Burrow and Herbert, but I agree on all of the okay. accounts.
3: All right. There you have it, folks. Hope you enjoyed this one. If you did, then as always, you can find our full shows with video on the Nerd Sesh YouTube page. I also just did a full uh, video breakdown of Lowry Markinen. what makes him so great. If you want to check that out, we're doing content like that on YouTube as well. Worth subscribing and you can listen to the podcast across audio platforms you can follow us across social media tiktok and instagram at nerd sesh twitter at nerd underscore sesh to see our trivia content to stay tuned in to clips from the show all that good stuff if you're still buying christmas gifts at this point cutting a little bit close but you can go to the volume.com check out some nerd sesh merch we've got hats we've got shirts we've got hoodies we've got flags all of that also at the link in our link tree across our social media bios. And you can join our discord from there. If you want to talk NBA, NFL, be part of our community. And with that, as always, I've been Carson Brabber. I have been Logan Camden. And this was Nerd Sash.